All aboard. Good. Welcome to Sundays here on Maritime Radio. Top of the afternoon to you. Hope you're well. Trevor Blackman here. Uh, Trevor Blackman now till three o'clock. So look, are you ready to meet up with family and friends next month? Uh, Boris is due to sign off on the roadmap to getting us out of lockdown at some point today. And tomorrow we will all find out. But already there is pushback as teaching unions say don't return all pupils at once. What a week in the world. This crisis has plunged more than 8 million more people into poverty since last year. About one in seven households nationwide, including more than one in five and Latino households and many Asian American, Pacific Islander and Native American households are struggling just to secure the food that they need. The decisions that governments and partners take now will have lasting impact on hundreds of millions of young people and on the development prospects of countries for decades to come. There's nothing I want to do more than reopen school. We've lost a bit of the mentality to want to learn because last time we were all heads down doing it and now it's like, well, how long am I going to be doing this for now? I think there are a lot of things that make it really difficult to learn at home. People seem to think that it's just a similar idea of school. You go on an online class when you're supposed to be in class and then that's fine, but it's much more tiring than that. The sheer number of children whose education was completely disrupted for months on end is nothing short of a global education emergency. I think if we're cautious, we should get, it won't be completely normal, but things will start to look much more normal by spring. So hey, vaccine passports are backed by many. Polling in the Eye newspaper suggests 60% of support. And the 100 Club on Oxford Street is due to trial a new air filter when the hospitality sector is given the green light to open. Should be around about Easter time. Anyway, welcome to the third dramatic and very unpredictable weekend of February 2021. On today's show, we ask if FE colleges are fit for a post-pandemic world. We hear the voice of a musician shouting out loud about his industry. And we remember the spirit and people of the Blitz. This is Trevor Blackman now, so let's get to it. Real people, inspiring stories, living legends, award-winning talk show, Trevor Blackman now. My, My job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. One, two, three, hit it. One, two, three, hit it. Go hit man. Hey yo, that ain't me. 
Get a girl a body of war Ready for the world, yo, that's a lot of body, 1991, you know how I do, if you don't know, you're about to know. Uh, good to have your company, Trevor Blackman here, Maritime Radio 96.5 FM, Matt, do not worry, Matt's in New York, he suggested this week's lockdown tune of the week, which I will be playing at the end of the show, and yes, it is a tune, Matt, it is a tune. Top of the day to you, hope you're well this Sunday afternoon, uh, thanks for making us your number one choice this Sunday. Uh, You know, usually at the top of the show, I have a little rant, things that have peed me off. Actually, this week had a really good week. Launched a project this week. Really, really proud of the project we've launched. Plus, uh, organised half-term provision for 60 kids. Uh, Went to visit them this week. And just their faces, you know, interacting, doing arts and crafts. Really amazing. Really, really amazing. So... I've had a really good week. Anyway, this is Maritime Radio's uh, official uh, award-winning community talk show that shines light on and gives voice to 
London's diverse community in action, especially the black community, is the show that plays the tracks, most of them for my collection, and provides the headline news you might have missed, including South Africa switches to Johnson & Johnson vaccine in battle against coronavirus variant, and residents describe harrowing November massacre in Ethiopian holy city. Those headlines and more follow my guests. So hey, on today's show, after two. Again, you think of the food, the, the variety, the dynamism of food. You know, I think difference is good. I think dynamism is good. And stagnant identities are very bad. By a definition, I think they're bad. And, and that dynamism brought to the UK and to Bristol has been phenomenal for the city. We continue with the penultimate episode of our journey, telling the story of the UK's first civil rights campaign in 1963, the Bristol Bus Boycott, uh, also on the show. There were problems that he did encounter in the shelters, and he actually cites in his work about how um, in his shelters there were people of many nations with a variety of beliefs. Friend of the show, Oko Epanyong from Memorial 2007, tells us about her father, Etta Epanyong, and why he features in a new one-off documentary film on BBC One this week called Blitz Spirit with Lucy Wolseley. Plus... For the time being, I don't think music is a career that you can survive solely on. Particularly if you want to stay active and record music. You know, it's a, it's a necessary evil. You have to have something to pay, pay your mortgage, pay your rent, pay the recording studio. In this hour, Irish singer and songwriter Kevin Casey talks about the music industry and what gave birth to his latest track, Shout It Out. But first. So, time now to look at an area of education that has not got as much press during this pandemic. Due to decades of underinvestment in low-income neighbourhoods, black and disadvantaged children are more likely to attend FE colleges that have fewer economic resources and less technology at this time to support their remote learning. And that is due to historic underinvestment in them. With students expected to lose one-third of pre-pandemic reading gains and half of math gains over the last 11 months, uh, COVID-19 will further exacerbate existing disparities in achievement for black kids, which most black educationalists say is caused by systematic racism. But what does that mean? Are our FE institutions really failing black kids? Or is it simply they're failing disadvantaged kids of all races who live in low-income communities? Well, to help me explore those questions, uh, on Friday, I spoke to a former FE educator who's worked with young people for a number of decades, Busy Williams. I started off asking her to describe some of the problems facing black students in FE colleges before COVID-19 that made her fear even more for their future post this health pandemic. Take a listen. I think one of the difficulties when we talk about education is we make such generalizations and I'm going to make generalizations and I kind of apologize because there are always exceptions but the generalization you start with is that as a general rule black young people don't do as well in their GCSEs they don't get as high grades as other groups of young people now it's not as simple as that but as a general rule that's the case so the the automatic kind of assumption in our society 
is after 16, you go on and do your A-levels. Now, one of the problems is this country has always been very, very snobbish about non-academic education and training. So the whole vocational strand has always been incredibly neglected. Now, historically, that vocational strand was the kind of engineering, bricklaying, childcare, hairdressing. It, it, it is broader now. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I was an art teacher. And trust me, it's a struggle to get to be an art teacher when you're black, because apparently art teachers aren't black. Really? But anyway, yes. Wow. So I didn't teach GCSE. I didn't teach A-level art. I taught a BTEC level two mm. art and design and also level three and the reason that my students went in to do a BTEC was because they didn't do very well in their GCSEs. The positive about FE and I don't disregard all that you say about the underfunding there's absolutely no doubt that sector has been underfunded for years but the positive is that you get much smaller class sizes and you often get teachers like me who are very committed to working in a different way. They are not part of the sort of school education structure. It's not about forcing them all into, a, um, you know, I don't want to denigrate square peg, my colleagues. What, yeah, I know, but square yes. peg, round hole, I yeah. get that. Yeah, yeah. Bear in mind, my te both my children are teachers in schools. But the fact is, we had a lot more flexibility. And I used to meet the most amazing young people particularly black young people who were so able who were so creative who were so positive but who had had knockbacks or had troubled backgrounds or no support at home a whole range of things they'd ended up messing up in their GCSEs and they end up often having to do level one which is not even as high as GCSE and basically starting from the bottom and having to work their way up. And a lot of them did that. And a lot of them ended up in the top art schools. Brilliant. You know, the top art schools. But there was something else that they didn't have when they came into FE. And it was the kind of belief in themselves, the confidence, the need to have a kind of trust right. and belief that, you know, the system was going to work for them. So, so that is the positive i feel and of course there will be examples of colleges that don't do that for the young people and it's not just black young people who came in and also a lot of young people would have undiagnosed um, dyslexia dyscalculia mental health issues that hadn't really been addressed properly so you say quite late in the day at 16 yeah so you say that's the positive and there is positive i hear in that but there are those and i suppose we're moving into it the negatives and i last week i spoke to a teacher and i asked a, a question about teachers and how they see black students and whether or not they're needs to be some form of training for young for teachers to pick up on how to work with young black boys in particular, you know, it's not about them being um, rude or whatever. It's just a, a boisterousness and it's about just how you handle that. But what I'm hearing from you is a sense of when they got to FE, there was that because of small class sizes, as you said, there was more of an opportunity to get to know the individual more. 
But that doesn't negate that they've then had five or so years of an experience which has not set them up right for their future, which in some ways has shortchanged them. And I think it's that that many parents and, and of my generation when we talk fear for our kids, but also say, you know, there is a responsibility from not just FE, but from secondary school, from education, from the education sector full Absolutely. on. To say, we need to take a closer look at how we're working here because we can't continue in this way. Yes, you're absolutely right. And the training of FE teachers is no better than the training of school teachers in that sense. Now, whether or not the issues raised by Black Lives Matter will make a difference, it remains to be seen. The, the thing I will say is that you are not working to such a tight curriculum in FE. So in theory, you have a lot more flexibility and can do an awful lot more. So it could, it could lead the way. But as you say, you know, these young people have had many years, five or so years to overcome. And much as we all dislike the qualification sort of culture we live in, the reality is without your maths, levels you know grade c as used to be it's all changed now without your maths and english you are going to struggle you're going to even struggle to get into onto an fe course let alone get into an apprenticeship into a job go to university so it does rest very much on the schools however what fe does give is an opportunity to make up that maths and English. I mean, there is no choice in the matter. If you haven't got it, you've got to redo it, which is pretty demoralizing for a lot of young people. But, you know, you, you do get a second chance. So I wanna, I wanna move on slightly because you talked about the positive, but I've stood outside looking in, in terms of FE. Um, I've supported a lot of vocational uh, courses, funding and supporting students, putting additional support in mentoring to ensure that these students get through. And I have seen problems within FE. And I want you to talk about someone who, as someone who's been part of, that, of those institutions. And you talk eloquently about the positive, but what has been the negative? And that's then, I suppose, attaching to my fears post this pandemic. What, have, what is the negative experience, particularly if you're coming from a disadvantaged background, particularly even more so if you're black? I think that the, the, the number one negative is that it's seen as second rate. Mm. And that's your starting point. It's not, it, it's second rate. And, and uh, I hate to, to sort of talk down, you know, my people I worked with for years, but some teachers in further education teach in further education because they weren't able to teach in schools or they've come from parts of the world where their qualifications aren't fully recognized here and so they would need to do extra qualifications the teachers are not as well paid as you say there is uh, has been underfunding historically there's been underfunding and also you, you could argue that the courses that we really need for our young people are increasingly not available, particularly in the cities like London. Because, you know, to run the, the, the real vocational technical courses 
is incredibly difficult um, when you've got a relatively small site. So, you know, I used to work in Tottenham at the College of North East London, and they had huge space, which gradually got restricted and restricted. And, you know, the, the electrics course closed down, then the building, then the bricklaying, then... And, you know, so that is is cutting off, denying young people, a, a, you know, one whole area of training. So when you hear the Prime Minister and his, it, the whole slogan of, of building back better and investment within, particularly within FE institutions, and that's not just for those adults who don't have a, a, a level of GCSE, etc., because his, his, his whole push is getting them back in as part of lifelong learning. But what he talks about in terms of investing in young people, getting them ready for the next industrial revolution. You know, we're talking about new energy, um, new engineers, just, you know, just equipping our young. And I look at that and I go, but the institutions don't have the resources to, to do all of this. You can firstly have to invest in, equip, get them ready, get the teachers ready before you ask the kids to go in and train. I mean, when you hear all of this, what do you think? Uh, well, you may call me a cynic, but I suspect that that is aimed at North, you know, the Red Wall, the Northern cities. It's a, you know, there's the space up there. Those resources will go up there to keep those, people who voted Conservative for the first time in their family's history. That money is not coming to London and the South East, I'm afraid to say, because we don't vote the way they want us to vote. But that is, is being cynical. You know, we should hold, we should hold the government to account on this one. You know, if that's what they're offering, and it may be that these have, places have to be built on the outskirts, new colleges of cities and there needs to be mechanisms for i don't know getting young people out there i mean who yeah, knows yeah, yeah, it's yeah. easy to say these things and everybody wants to hear it i mean wouldn't it be wonderful to train up a new generation in in you know renewable energy you know i, I understand that we don't make any solar panels in this country but coming back you know i think maybe i have put too positive a light on fe i mean i'm passionate about it and always have been and have seen such great successes. But one of the reasons I retired as soon as I was 60 is wow. that I was getting demoralized yeah. because things were shifting. It was getting more, having to do it by the book. Okay. Or, originally, I used to, and so did my colleagues, you know, we would take people onto a level two course knowing full well that they didn't quite tick all the right boxes. But, you know, they'd convinced me. I'd maybe met their parents at an interview and they'd said that, you know, stuff had happened at home and I really believed in this young person. And, you know, that it didn't always work out. Yeah. But I would say in the majority of time it worked out. And you built mm -hmm. that trust with somebody. And it was becoming increasingly hard. I mean, it came to the point where the teachers no longer got to make the decision. It was an administrative thing. I'll always remember, I think the thing that did it for me was a student who came from Montserrat. Okay. And I was told that they were not settled status. And I had to wrap my brains. And I'm mm. thinking, Montserrat, weren't people given settled status? In the Caribbean, yeah, 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 yeah. In, in the volcano and all mm. that. Mm. And I had to argue, argue, argue with the admin. I can't remember what the outcome was, but I just thought, this isn't, this isn't. No. This isn't no. the way it, 
it was supposed to be. One of my passions is to try and get more black people as educators. And if the school system just seems just too awful, mm-hmm. the FE sector is, is, is a wonderful opportunity because in the FE sector, you don't always have to work full time. Mm-hmm. So you can be your, a practitioner. So I do my own work, you know, one day a week and teach four days a week. And I do think that for some of the young people coming in, it would be the first time, I can hardly believe this, but despite the fact they went to school in London, I'd be the first black teacher they ever met. And I can always remember, I was in a class and I heard somebody kissing their teeth. And I I whipped round in an absolute (laughs) frenzy. And I was like, who was that? And I could tell who it was. And it was like, and they're not even kids they're 16 he went nobody has ever challenged me on that and i said would you kiss your teeth in front of your grandma or your auntie or your mom mm, and, like, mm, and i thought how is it possible in our amazing diverse city that they've never had a black teacher but the thing that but that's the reality i mean it's changing now as we know uh, government figures are out that saying there's a 20 percent, i think it'll so um rise in in bme teachers particularly within the southeast but there's still a long way to go i want to ask you this i want to ask you this and it's, it's about families because i think you know there are strengths that black families need to bring in order to support their kids through the educational system and i've had many a conversation within friendship groups and and also family particularly my brother about what he needs to do to make sure his kids can successfully navigate and get through which from our experience i only talk from our experience and, and our friends is a racist system you know what what advice someone listening right now to the show do you give to families to support their kids to be enable them to get through and get the success that they need for for a future I think it's about engaging with what the school system's about, how it works, and what your children are learning. And I I say this because many of us come from backgrounds where our parents didn't involve themselves in our education. It was like the teacher's job, the school's job. And if you went home and said, teacher had shouted at you or even hit you in my day, it was like, well, you must have done something wrong, you know. They, they didn't support you. But it is our duty to find out about how the education system works. And we have a right to ensure that our children are being treated correctly. But there are mechanisms for dealing with it. And um, I have spoken to you before, Trevor, about my passion for getting people, black people, to become school governors. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the mechanisms where you can influence what people often don't realise that it's a, gov- a board made up of three governors who decide on exclusions. It, it, the paperwork, the argument is made by the head, but ultimately it is the decision of the governors. And governors need to, and schools do need to be held to account for the large, high number of exclusions, particularly of, of, of black boys. Absolutely. But the thing is that there is no point in not understanding the system and then going in and shouting at their teacher. That is not going to do it. You also need to support your children and be a bit strict about it. You know, if they've got homework to do, 
make sure they do it. I mean, clearly at this stage, you know, with COVID and everything, I feel for parents homeschooling. I mean, obviously I'm not talking about right now, but we do have a responsibility. And you start young, obviously it's difficult when they're 16 to make them do their homework, but it is our duty as parents to, to try and ensure that they get the best education. And one of the other things I wanted to say about further education is that one of the pluses, of course, is that it offers something for children across the range. So children with special educational needs who will get sort of support and stuff in schools. Nevertheless, there will be special units. There are even special colleges in the FE sector for children with, with, with additional needs. And I also think that parents need to be mindful of the fact that their children may have additional needs. Yeah. And one of the things I have sometimes found, and again, I don't want to make generalizations amongst um, black communities, is a reluctance sometimes to accept that maybe this child does have some aspect of learning difficulty. I mean, let's face it, we've all got yeah. something. Absolutely. And that, Absolutely. you know, that's there is not that stigma. To say you're a bad yeah, in the black community, that, that stigma is there for some reason that. We, you know, let's not label, let's not, you know, there can't be anything wrong. And I think we need to move beyond that because none, yes. I, I like what you've just said, you know, all of us carry something um, and that still makes us special. Do you know, it's, it doesn't, it's not a disservice to us to have. It's about this makes you even more unique. Also, I think that, you know, if your child says that they really, really want to do art mm-hmm. or drama, or something that you didn't envisage because you were hoping they would go on to be a doctor or a lawyer. You know, I mean, there is nothing worse than a miserable doctor. <laughs> or a bad doctor. <laughs> oh <laughs> my support God. them. You know, no, it's true. If they, if they all want to be musicians, you might need to yeah. kind of say, okay, Let- there are roots to being a musician. You know, let's yeah. kind of... And let's, always, and let's always have that backup plan just in case, you know, let's always have the back. I mean, that's, that's just wise parenting. Yeah. Let's always have that. But it isn't. But also thing. parents, you know, if you don't have maths, then, you know, there are classes and they're free and there's loads of online stuff. I mean, I'm finding with the grandchildren, I sort of said something like, it was spelt with a B and I was shouted at because of course they do phonics now and I don't understand phonics and it's B. Yeah. And I thought, you know, if I had young children, it's my responsibility to try and get my head around that, uh, understand phonics. And I realized that if English is not your, your, your native tongue, it, it is difficult. But it's it not. Even, it's, but it's not just that busy. And I wanted to. I was going to pick you up on this when it's about when you said about supporting the child. There is a fear for some parents, some adults, because they don't have the uh, academic level to even try and support. Particularly when we start moving into secondary school, let alone primary school. So that sense of help them with their homework and sit with them. There is a fear. There's a fear of exposing what you do know and what you don't know in front of your child, and. And, 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 and that's real. So I understand that I say it to my brother and I, I can see it sometimes with him because of his experiences at school. He isn't at that level where he can sit with his kids. Um, thank God for his partner. Thank God for my mum. 
But there are, that is the real concern with a lot of parents who are working hard, trying to put food on the table, who are coming home late and just don't have that time. And I know we should say you've got to make that time. I know that. But the fear, the academic fear is real. I, I absolutely agree. But the support doesn't have to be about sitting down and doing the maths or the literature or whatever it is with them. It can just be about ensuring that, you know, you pick up a free newspaper and have it in the house so that they can actually read a paper. I mean, the number of young people I would have who never, ever read anything, they don't have any magazines, just get a free newspaper and have it in the house talk to them about what might be on the news and and, and i accept particularly if 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 you know perhaps you can't can't read and write it is very difficult but your culture your cultural background is still very very precious and valuable Mm -hmm. and there there are things that you know that our society doesn't know and that needs to be shared and you need to teach your children to value it. You should come back. I mean, our fears for our kids move, moving forward. I talked about investment in FE and we, that needs to come if we're going to do this whole levelling up. It's also about, as I said earlier on about, and you agreed, teachers, um, teaching our teachers how to work with all of our communities because there is that unconscious, I didn't use the word before, but I'm going to use it now, that unconscious bias within education. And I suppose just helping ensure that our kids have options, you know, that aren't just for, as you said, one part of the country, that they are across the whole of the country in order as we come out of this pandemic for our, our young people to truly have a chance in terms of when we talk about social mobility, to have the skill set and the support to really make options and choices about tomorrow, not just today. And I think that's, that, that is key. Final words, I'm going to say it again, because I love, and we talked about this and you said it, get involved. Get on, you know, it's like me, you told me, you, Trevor, be a governor. You know, I'm going to send details about this because it's true because I've started to look into it. You're absolutely right. We can't change a system unless we're part of it. Stop shouting from outside and sit at the table and have a conversation. So final words from you now, because I've said that. What are your final words, people listening right now, when we talk about FE and the education system, when we talk about our, 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 not just black, but our disadvantaged kids who, who need all the help and support they can get? <laughs> This is such a challenging time and I'm so full of respect for all the parents and all the young people who've got, you know, a struggle ahead of them. And I suppose what I would say, and I don't really like the word resilience because I feel it's a bit overused, but it is the word that I'm coming back to. We've got to try and make sure that our young people can not just survive, but thrive. And what we've experienced during the whole COVID, the tragedy of it all, if we can get through this, it may, we must come out stronger. We must believe that things can be better. And we must believe that things like Black Lives Matter, which raised so many questions about the society we live in and the education that we have, so much that's come out of the disproportionate number of black people who died as a result of COVID, I really hope will make our society question, question things. And I know that kind of sounds like, oh, in my dreams, but you know, we should try, we should try and we must make sure that our young people have something to believe in and something to be proud of. 
and I and I believe, I'm a hopeful person and I think they should after what they've been through. Amen to that most definitely. Uh, big thanks to Busy there. So look you've heard now from an FE educator last week we heard from a secondary school teacher I'd love to hear from someone teaching at primary school so if you know someone if it's you please get at me right now um email trevorblackmannow at gmail.com that's trevorblackmannow at gmail.com the first wave as I hope it might be of schools will go back from March the 8th but how are you feeling and how is that on our kids and particularly in the primary school sector if you know someone if it's you please ask them to contact me trevor batman now at gmail.com because i would love to hear from them also listening to busy there uh, you know she said school governor she she held me up on this one you know trevor you should get in there if you like more information about how you could potentially be a school governor i've posted on Maritime Radio LDN on Twitter right now. Uh, some links, a link if you're a black person from the black community, think of it, and there's a network out there for you. And just generally, if you just like to be a governor, I've posted a link for that as well. Still to come. There were problems that he did encounter in the shelters, and he actually cites in his work about how... Um, in his shelters, there were people of many nations mm. with a variety of beliefs. Friend of the show, Oko Epanyong from Memorial 2007, tells us about her father, Etta Epanyong, and why he features in a new one-off documentary film on BBC One this week called Blitz Spirit with Lucy Wolseley. And we have part five of our journey but up next irish singer and songwriter kevin casey talks about the music industry and what gave birth to his latest track shout it out follow trevor now on instagram at official tbn show